Okay, welcome to Two Coaches and a Coffee. Uh, I'm Jason Weber. I'm here with my good mate, Darren Burgess, um, to talk all things sports performance, strength and conditioning, monitoring, all of that fun stuff uh, from the perspective of two dudes who are probably a little bit older than the kettle and net. Good morning, Darren. How are you? Morning, Jace. Hope you're enjoying your brew. Yeah, the, for those who haven't uh, tuned yeah. in, we're, we're trying to... Uh, I have a chat for about fifteen minutes, uh, just enough uh, time to to uh, have a coffee, and then uh, yeah, we're trying to touch on some of the more current uh, sort of contemporary issues that um, uh, that, uh, and we'll we'll do a quick fire um, acceleration through some of those. The big one in the world of US sports at the moment, uh, Jace, was the announcement by the NBA last week that they're going to have a load management policy. So, the quick snapshot of this is. Uh, the NBA were were getting uh, getting annoyed because uh, Giannis, who might only go to who plays from Milwaukee, who might only play on the West Coast once per year, was getting rested for that trip. So a lot of fans who wanted to see him um, play on that once or twice per year um, in in uh, on the West Coast of the US was they weren't able to see him, and because teams were resting him. Um, so now the basic. Policy and there's a few nuances to it, but essentially, Jason, the um, you're not allowed to rest more than one star player, and the star player is graded by the NBA itself. As in, if you've played in the All Star games in the last couple of years, two or three years, uh, and uh, also, um, you know, you're not allowed to rest them for more than one game, and they prefer you to do it for a, a home games rather than away. And there's a whole bunch of nuances to it, but essentially, they're trying to put a cap on when you can rest your superstar players. Um, there's a lot of holes in it, um, and but there's massive fines for teams that um, get caught. So they're having, rather than reduce the games, um, which would cost them commercially, uh, they're especially concerned about nationally televised games. So if you're on ESPN or TNT, you better have a very good reason for resting one of your superstars. Oh, mate, I, I think this is absolutely amazing. Probably... Probably predictable to some extent. Um, you know, the whole idea of, I mean, all the sport is corporate, right? At the end of the day, I remember being sat down when I was very young, performance coach, and the CEO saying to me, What business are you in? I said, oh, I'm in the, you know, strength and conditioning performance. I said, You know, you're in the entertainment business, simple as that, get thumbs on seats. And I, I think that's correct. So uh, I think. The interesting thing is what you said about the nuances. You know, if you read some of the articles, if they're 35 years old, uh, if they've got 34,000 regular season minutes or a uh, 1,000 playoff minutes combined, uh, they've got, they can apply for uh, allowances for injury history or unforeseen personal circumstances. Mate, they're going to, teams are going to have to employ Compliance officers just to make this plausible, just like AFL did in this after the Essendon supplement saga. Um, yeah, we had to fill out it, just created more admin. The other thing that, that comes up is let's say you're you're working for I don't know my team, the Houston Rockets, and you've got uh, a superstar. Um, what's stopping you? I don't know. Maybe there are some rules in there, not from anything that I've seen for playing that particular player for eight or nine minutes and then resting them and saying that it's all back or you know there's ways and means around it if you oh, want to know. load that's so but yeah. you know what i think is 
absolutely the truth. And if I go back to years and years of testing players, players figure out a way how to get around the rules. And I think coaches do the exact same thing. They figure yeah. out where the holes are. Uh, and as much as that is, I guess, somewhat entertaining to think about is how smart these dudes are uh, yeah. in some respects. Yeah. I think one of the bigger questions comes, this comes to this monitoring piece. So what decision, what, how are we arriving at a decision to say we need to rest the flight? Is it the total minutes they played? Is it, uh, you know, the number of, if you had another sport, the number of sprints they did, the amount of high-speed metres? There would be other metrics within the basketball system, um, you know. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's intriguing. Yeah, that gets us to perhaps the NFL injuries that have happened, um, because as we know, it's not necessarily the load, but it's how you get there, and yeah, sharp yeah. and decreases in load can have massive ramifications. And I was only having a conversation this morning with a, a guy who's been involved in the Champions League overnight. Yeah. Um, which started in the in the UK, and if you haven't prepared those players to play three games a week in the preceding yeah. three or four weeks, you're in all sorts of trouble. And, yeah. and that's that's what this particular team found out overnight. So, yeah, um, yeah it's the monitoring to lead you to the decision that that player needs a rest rather than we're playing away. It's a ten thousand, you know, kilometer trip flight or a two thousand kilometer flight. Um, I just don't want to be part of it. Um, and that's, you know, we're seeing some NFL injuries that we were talking about before we, we uh, press record yeah. um, related to training camps and increases in load and and how we can actually monitor that versus saying, well, that's just sport, that just happens. Yeah. Um, that may be the conclusion that you draw at the end yes. of it, um, but what's the processes that you use to try and stop some of those big-name Achilles and calf injuries? Yeah. Man, interestingly, as, as you and I have spoken about, which you've pushed forward earlier, so I've just spent two weeks in the States um, <laughs> pushing my little business uh, over in the US and uh, a very, very enlightening period. But um, when you start hearing about the way camps are run and the number of injuries that occur, and, um, you know, we had a guy named J.K. Dobbins uh, from the Ravens or running back. Uh, Louis Achilles out, I think, in week one, very early. Now, the guy had a previous big left knee injury. Then the big news was Aaron Rodgers from the Jets flying his Achilles up. Now, if you watch the division, to be honest, there's a lot of compressive forces in the way these things would happen. They weren't just running instance by any stretch. Um, and I heard two perspectives while I was in the state. There was this uh, social media uh, SNC coach who literally just said, there's nothing we can do. That's sport. It's the first few weeks. This always happens. Blah, blah, blah. So then to your point about the, the Champions League, well, if it's so dramatically different round one compared to your training and preparation, clearly there's a gap of some description. But then the other piece was I had a really, really interesting conversation with uh, Dr. Ernie Reimer out of University of Louisville. I was very yep. learned very learned man. Um, interesting perspective. We actually got down to a little bit more of what the tendon was made of, biology, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And and the discussion was, well, because of let's say Aaron Rodgers and the guy, quite old, we're not we're accepting in the first place that his tendon is already 
okay, despite the fact you're in the industry. It may well not be. And it may be that the change in load from training camp created a tendinopathy that we're now unaware of. Now, you talk in the, in the US about UTC scanning, um, which is a process done in NFL life that can assess the quality of an Achilles or a patella tendon. Now, I look at that and think, well, the assumption that the Achilles was in a good spot before we started is, is inappropriate. So then we go back to our monitoring piece and say, well, what data are we collecting? Is, is jumping on a force plate enough to give us the information we need to know that somebody might be at risk? Now, I'm not saying these injuries were, as I said, they were very compressive. They may just happen. But in a business where this thing is worth billions and billions of dollars, the players are worth hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, people are being paid a fortune in the US to monitor this stuff. Should we be looking a bit harder and should we be being a bit more scientific about it? I, I just, yeah. I, I can't accept, oh, this is just football, this is what happens. But that then means that all of these jobs people have as sports scientists are really just standing there doing nothing, maybe looking at Excel spreadsheets, but not really contributing. So I don't know, mate, what do you think? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Two Coaches and a Coffee is proudly sponsored by SpeedSig. If you work with field sport athletes, understanding how your players generate and control speed is critical to your effectiveness as a coach, medical practitioner or sports scientist. Acceleration, speed and deceleration not only can be generated using unique individual strategies, but those strategies change as an athlete gets stronger, as they develop better skills, most definitely when they suffer injuries, and as the athlete gets older. Does your athlete monitoring program cover these variables? SpeedSig uses IMU GPS technology that your team is already using to provide biomechanically validated and reliable data that describes how an athlete generates and controls speed. Check out our website for more detail at speedsig.com. Now back to two coaches and a coffee. It's a it's a it's a delicate one because mm-hmm. if we take let's not choice of words. Yeah, we and we don't know if we take Rogers. No, we, we, take, don't, we don't know anything. We're speculating. No. We're speculating. Yeah, so I think that's really clear that we're speculating. Maybe the performance department said um, you know, yeah. scanned it. And, and he can't yeah, do the thing. What we, the facts that we do know, he's had an injury which, you know, possibly could cost the Jets any chance of making the, the finals, despite, if you read. Despite the fact they won the other night. They won, but then they lost the week after and their yeah, quarterback. Yeah. There's a reason why they brought yeah. Rodgers in. Um, if, if you're going in as an external person to audit that particular team on on this particular occasion, as long as I think if you're a member of the Jets or, you know, Bengals with Burroughs or whoever, their performance department, and you can look and say, we did everything possible. So did we scan for the tendon integrity? Did we have a look at the loads that he did at the Green Bay Packers where, from all reports, he didn't volunteer for OTAs, he didn't, he participated in the camp whenever he wanted to. 
this year he participated in every session and from all reports and he, yeah. he was in OTAs because he bought in and he was, you know, and so his loads probably went through the roof. He's older. He's um, the thing that staggers me about the NFL and um, I won't plead total ignorance because I've had some involvement with a few clubs over the years is that they don't play in preseason games um, other than, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers and a few clubs Um they, they sort of say, well, how do you expect a boxing? I think Mike Tomlin, the Pittsburgh coach, said, how do you expect a boxer to perform in a match if he or she hasn't sparred beforehand? Um, yeah, yeah. So immediately the match load goes up. It was the fourth um, rep. That's all it was. Yeah. The fourth. Yeah. So it wasn't a fatigue element. There was probably some yeah. other stuff going on which, which you suggested. So there are these questions which we don't have the answer. We're sitting on the yeah. other side of the world speculating, but it's interesting conversation um, around. They do I reckon, mate, I, I agree. And I reckon it's worth just probably vetting this for anybody who happens to be listening, is we're not saying, well, I'm not in any way saying anybody was right or wrong. I've got no idea the nuances and the detail. What I guess what I like doing is trying people's shoes on. Like if I was in those shoes, what would I do? Right? Yep. And I think you'd have to, my experience would be that in this industry, you have to form an opinion and you have to get off the fence. You can't just hedge your bets. You need to sort of say, well, I'm kind of in this camp that's going to go, well, whatever happens, happens, and let them go. Or we're going to do, as you said, do our very best to extend our knowledge. And I think, as an example, um, in the AFL in Western Australia, when they started changing the grounds, we had these really hard grounds. And when the bone issues went up, we've done a lot of um, PPCT bone scan. So we had a really clear picture of who was at risk, but it was really hard for administrators to accept that certain players were at risk um, of getting injured on these ovals. And I just think you remember saying to the coach I worked with at the time, I think, you know, the, the margin's so thin here, you need to not train on that oval every week and just go and play there, and I think we'll be okay. But no, we had to go on training it. And consequently, we had four big bone injuries back to back, and they all could be back. Anyway, yep. so yeah, I think the point. I don't, of- I don't want to put because uh, we're under time pressure here to keep it. <laughs> I don't want us to say every week. We don't know what no. we're just. But it, we don't no. want to put a disclaimer because this is the whole point of it: is we're jumping off the fence a bit and saying, yeah, 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 an opinion on yeah. some controversial topics. So we'll keep doing that. But just yeah. the disclaimer: we don't know. People could come in, critique, yeah, yeah, that's right, and they do. Fine. That's right. And I think if you bring this uh, to the Wallabies current predicament in the Rugby World Cup in Europe, um, they've taken a young team. I think Eddie Jones has um, shown a, a high degree of uh, of innovation and, and probably internal fortitude to pick the team he did. And I'm all for it. Support, great. Um, but the team has a big run of injuries. Like we had before Eddie Jones' tenure, we had a big run of Achilles injuries, which were viewed, and there were certain conclusions drawn on that was too much work done in some area. Okay, so then they continue this year, and now we've, we've done another. We had a big Achilles injury um, uh, to one of our tight head props early in, in uh, July. His name just eludes me at the moment. Um, so he's out, Alan Alatoa, sorry. So one of the one of the captains of the team, so he blew his feelings, he's out. We're just bringing back another tight head 
with um, who's had a calf injury um, four weeks ago. We lost last week two of our big, um, you know, knock and again tight head prop to hamstring and calf injuries. Now, again, I don't know what's going on there, but somehow, again, from a just thinking about it perspective, someone's got to be ringing the alarm bell saying, are we doing something wrong? Because why does shit keep happening? And the, the absolute the absolute truth of Australian sport is we can probably feel one team. Now, in rugby, I reckon we've got one good team now. But you start getting injuries, and we haven't got a depth chart, you know. We, we don't have the next layer of players to come through. It's just the nature of population density. So it's, it's a dangerous game, and obviously he... he uh... He went out swinging with that press conference on the way out. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And, but and the, it hasn't been so far. But the, you've got to ask the question, and this all comes back to, I guess, the theme and the NBA thing, is we have to acknowledge, and I had this, actually, it's really interesting. Man, so you know where I am at the moment, Darren, but I'm, for those who are listening, I'm actually on a tactical job at the moment. I, I work quite extensively in the tactical world. And so the guys I work with at the moment are all, all tier one special forces operators. And been having a conversation over the last few days. They're mad rugby fans. So it's really easy to this all comes together. And they, they were saying, like I said to them, like in your space, we have a big mental over physical thing because You've got to dominate the space. You've got to keep going. And I said, at the tempo you guys work at, which can be for days on end, but it's at a job, right? You, you're not really, there's no velocity to what you get other than the weapons are fine. But I said, when it comes to speed, i.e. NBA, NFL, rugby, when you've got to go at gas, there's a limit to how much the human body can take. You can't just push through you can't just push through a calf that is incapable of sustaining the isometric contraction relative to run at 10 meters per second fire. You can't. You either have the capacity in the tissue or you don't. Now, that, and they agree completely, but so that brings us to then to the point, well, we need to be, it's not just mental, it's not just how tough that is. Can I get through all these training? And I will say, I have heard the term come out more than once in my career. We're going to train so hard. We're going to be so tough. And so I, yeah, I get it. But the reality is there is only so much speed efforts, sprints, decelerations, change of directions that a field sport athlete can do before we end up in a problem. So then you layer in where the injury history and all that stuff. Now, our monitoring piece, you know, is a real thing and a real necessity. The exact, yeah. the exact the, makeup. Well, the laughing, no, it's not laughing because you know we're we're coming at the back end of our careers. Sadly, the the, the front end. Um, in sports like the NBA, the NFL, where the money is so big, mm. um, and the relative um, investment in performance staff is just so poor, um, to in order to prevent this, because I. I'm an NFL fan and I listen to a bunch of podcasts and watch, you know, three or four games on weekends now that footy's not on and whenever I can around kids and what have you. 
And every single one of them talks about, well, they're healthy at the right time. They're healthy at the right time. They're healthy at the right time. This team will be great if they can keep their team on the park, if they can get – and owners talk about it, coaches talk about it, and and yet the relative investment, there are, of course, people getting paid well and depart, performance departments getting paid well. But relative to what the players earn, unlike in Australia where the investment is pretty good, relatively speaking, and in some other sports, the investment is, you know, pretty good. We should be saying it could be more. Of course it could be. But, uh, yeah, relative to those NFL and NBA salaries, the investment is is minor. And yet, you know, so much emphasis is placed on health, um, right or wrong, monitoring systems and things like that. But just when the investment isn't there, so in the NBA, for example, all these people are going to be asked to do more and more monitoring um, yeah. in order to prove points to the NBA. Um, you know, I don't know what Eddie Jones has set up at the Wallabies is or whether um, they're being listened to or not. I've got no idea. Yeah, no, I need um, but an issue there um, and, and it, it might come out um, afterwards if if we don't get the chocolates over Wales and, um, and come home, you know. Hey, well, mate, I will make a small counterpoint is, okay, monitoring is important. It's becoming more important. As you just said, if the NBA thing got not it, it has gone this direction. Um, I will say that then the expectations on our industry should be high. So yep. then that the people doing monitoring should actually have some degree of statistical and mathematical ability to be able to determine when something is actually a real change versus it's just a blip on the screen. Um, and I will say that in my um, my work with Modern Business Speed, I come across a lot of people who call themselves sports scientists, but in fact, they don't have any scientific ability whatsoever. And I think if we're going to go down the path of saying these things are important and we need to do them, I think the level of um, capability needs to start going through the roof as into what skills do you possess? How can you can you determine, do you understand what sensitivity to change means and how can I determine the difference in between individuals and things like that? Because, mate, I see a lot of people who are just running Excel spreadsheets and they're picking, oh, there's a point that's that's clearly different. Well, isn't it yeah. really? Like you just fucking try and dance on a board, excuse me, before you don't have to swear. But, yeah, but you know, yeah. We, we've got to be better as an industry. If we're going to start claiming, you know, we've got to be better than just doing more board tests and throw kids back out to run, right? That's it's, yeah. it's got to be better than that. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's there's a whole bunch of questions, and we, and we better finish off soon, but there, there's a whole bunch of questions around um, are we being listened to? So no matter what information you might give to coaches, and we've all worked with them, the coaches say, yeah. we're doing this, and that's fine because you've done your job and yeah. I can't control the rest of it. I can try and educate, can't control. We can talk about that till, till the cows come home. What we do have to be sure about is that the information that we are trying to pass on is actually accurate and not just mm. based on raw um, non-smallest worthwhile change or Z scores or whatever your poison is. Um, it, it is a meaningful change, and therefore, if we action this, we're actioning it for a reason. And by the way, then we don't know whether that will prevent the injury anyway. Because no, it's so we don't. all we do know is it might reduce the risk. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's part of the Mate, job. 
it is we'll definitely get, we'll... last last little bit, mate. I think uh, AFL finals coming up over the weekend. Um, got any predictions, mate? Unfortunately, uh, uh, the mighty LA Crows not there, but no, uh, didn't, didn't make it. Oh. It's hard what to go you... past Brisbane because they're probably the best two teams all year. Um, but, gee whiz, uh, Carlton and, and GWS, the teams coming up against them, have been in rare form in the past 10 weeks. So oh, wow. um, if I were Brisbane and Collingwood, I'd be I'd be genuinely worried about what's coming because you can't beat momentum. Well, this uh, we can come back to this next week, but I think that idea of is the week off a good thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, we you, yeah, we'll you know, come back to it next week and we have a bit more information. We'll, we'll see. GW, GWS have been on the uh, uh, where you know we've just got to win every game, got to win one for 12 weeks, and then oh, they've got momentum. And Colin would have had the week off, literally, they're bringing yep. back Dacos. So, interesting stuff. Yep. All right, mate, I, uh, I'm with you. We'll, we'll pull up stumps, but thank you very much for taking the time. Always a pleasure. This is uh, as much a social effort for. For you and I, as it is anything else, which is cool. Um, we'll uh, see you next week, and thank you to any and all that stay this long to listen to it.